interesting to see what happens to Daniel Bryan. What do you think? Do you think he just you know sits out? Do you think he ends up in Raw? Maybe he goes to NXT. Well, I mean, the word on the street is, is his contract is up in September, and then it's just about it sounds like, and again, he could be working, he could do whatever, but he's been pretty clear. It's like, hey man, you know, I want to be an active dad. And uh again, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson is a is a of this era a wrestler's wrestler. Uh, but also he fought like you know, fatherhood, like a family, like you know, for for a lot of people who strive to be great and do great things, they will do that and sacrificing everything else that makes the human condition worth living. And it is a great thing that Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan has been able to find love and then start a family because in the pursuit of absolute greatness, you can let all of those other really cool things slip through your fingers. So I think it's really excellent that he has been able to have that at the same time, when you are so fortunate to have that and, and you have, you have, really partaken in active greatness and sacrificed your body and your mind for that. And now you get to have something that is greater than yourself. I can only imagine the transformative nature that that has in you. I mean, Mike, I see it in you. So it's like, I can only imagine. Um, so I want him to do whatever he feels is best. I think a reduced schedule for him, if that's what it means, I think that's great. Um, I, wherever makes him happy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Hey, if WWE still makes you happy, cool, bruh. If you got unfinished business in Japan, that would be great. That's a physical style, but they're working even less now. Um, wherever makes you happy and what iteration makes you happy, I think that's cool. Having him on Raw would be a big boost to Raw. Um, but uh, but we'll see. I mean, I, just, I don't know. I can't with, with, with Daniel Bryan. This is a guy who has he is, his chi with pro wrestling has been so on point for so long. It's like, Hey man, that man, he gonna figure it out. <laughs> he gonna figure it out. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you in our recorded glory to another exciting episode of Give Me the Book, your weekly wrestling podcast. My name is Mike Cowley. With me, as always, it's the El Guapo of professional wrestling commentary as well as stand-up comedy. Satoyo, guys, thank you so much once again for being back with us. Uh, got a fun podcast in store for y'all, so this is exciting. We sure do. We had another great week of wrestling. Um, a little bit over a week, I suppose, since the last time we recorded. Um, had to actually, you know, try to figure out what's going to be the lead for this show. Had a little bit of a conversation. There were quite a few uh, matches that I enjoyed immensely and had uh, consequences in the wrestling world. Uh, but I think the one we should start with would be uh, Rich Long versus Kenny Omega from uh, a little bit over a week ago. We have a unified. Champion, I guess that he's now the man now has 
three or four four belts, three yeah, titles. Four belts, three titles. Um, he is the new school belt collector. Before him, a couple of years ago, was actually Austin Aries, who Austin I think came close to like almost tying Ultimo Dragon's number of titles back in the nineties. Ultimo Dragon had something crazy, like anywhere between nine or twelve titles at one time. I think Austin got up to like six or seven. Um, and it really had legs. Of course, you know, he and Impact totally bungled that. Uh, but I think that in that case, that was that was more on it might have been more on Austin on that one. But no, I mean, Kenny now is the unified impact wrestling world's heavyweight champion, AEW world champion, triple A mega champion. And uh, it's really, really cool for AEW because I think especially within one thing that AEW has done so well is that they started off saying, hey, man, we're open for business. And um, I think that's really helped out all, all, every single world champion they've had up to this point. I think that across the board, in terms of professional wrestling companies within the United States, all of their world champions, when they've been world champion, has seemed like the most important world champion um, in professional wrestling in the United States. Um, I don't think I don't and and I, WWE. It doesn't matter. All of a sudden, Kenny Kenny seems like the man to me. Um, and this is not to say that he is the most popular, the most, no, no, they're not the biggest machine, but when you're starting off a company like this, what gives a place more legitimacy than when your world champion can go and fight other world champions. And, uh, they had a really good match. The match was about what I expected from them. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And, uh, again, big things for AEW on paper. It looks like it would be big things for impact wrestling. However, I'm not so sure about that. Um, I think in the short term, everything that they did in the lead up was very much helping Impact's ratings. Uh, and then, you know, they, they did a big draw on their pay-per-view, which was excellent. And the very next show, apparently the ratings dropped again. And Booker T, uh, on his podcast that I listened to, brought up a really interesting point. And he said, you know, I don't really know what it does for them. I don't really know what it does for impact. Uh, if this was, he's like, I know what it does for AEW. And he's like, but you spent all this time on rich Swan and kind of made him your guy, which they have. I mean, let's not be mistaken. They rich Swan rehabilitated his career in impact wrestling. They both did right by each other. And it's like, and now you just had that guy beat your guy clean. And you just, and this is the guy that you had beat everybody. This is the guy you had beat moose. So now he just takes the one wing angel clean, um, you know, and I do believe that you still have the moose option, obviously, but it does put him in a bit of a lurch because it's like, I don't see him getting that win back because AEW is pretty good. They don't really, they try not to engage in 50, 50 booking because it doesn't help anyone. Um, but it is like Rich Swan was their top guy and he had been pushed as that top guy for the better part of a year and to have that happen and then the very next show the ratings aren't reflective of you know it's not on this incline it sort of drops a little bit it does postulate the question of all right well then how does impact also get over in this situation as well well uh, i do, do think, think some of this is reflected in the pay-per-view now i'm not here to complain about the pay-per-view i thought this was, it was solid all throughout but i'm not gonna pretend that this pay-per-view the, the rebellion was built around the main event match, and 
uh, with the, the the only match I can I would say was memorable besides the main event was the opener, yep. um, with um, you know uh, some I guess TNA stars I would want to see again some of the back stars. Besides that, while there were solid matches and solid characters, I mean it, it, they didn't even give Good Brothers a win, right? So now again, basically almost all of your titles are being held by people from the outside. So it is while well, I understand some of it and some of it makes sense, right? You have your superstars and your belts being highlighted on more popular shows that uh, you're supposed to bring the eyes in. You ultimately, I don't know if you gave me, you know, your audience any stars or any reasons to want to hang around when Finn Juice and when, more importantly, Kenny Omega are not going to be there. Yeah, it's, it's in a sense saying, watch Wednesday night. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's in a sense saying that. Now, I think the Good Brothers are so versatile, it doesn't really hurt them. Because they were already got, you know, it's not like they're impact guys, really. But for that entire tag division, it kind of does. Unless they sign a joint deal with Finjuice, which I believe they probably already have and something like that. But that just means Finjuice just got to be there. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, it, it, so it does. But it, again, it's one of those things cross promotionally. I'm a big fan of all the cross promotional shit. But it's almost as if, and, it, and it's the reality of amongst these three companies, with AEW, New Japan, and Impact, it's very clear from the outset that Impact was the low man on the totem pole. And so far, they are being booked as such. And that, and like you said, Mike, it's like, it's okay, cool. You're, you're getting your titles uh, shown more places. And as a result, some of your guys are being on uh, other forms and other platforms of TV. You know, it's a big deal to be on TNT. At the same time, all of your titles are your major titles, minus the X Division title and the Knockouts title. Uh, shouts to Deanna Peraza. I really do like her work. Um, but aside from that, your other two major titles, your tag title and your world title, are held by guys from other promotions. So, uh, I, But I do have faith in, in Don Callis and, and, and Scott Demore and how they book that they, you know, that they, that we have to, of course, stay tuned because so far it has been compelling. But this was one of this was their first blow off. So we'll see what happens going forward. Because the one thing I'll give impact in AEW is that they do have more of a sense of booking as opposed to writing. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm a big believer. I don't like wrestling writing. That's a big reason why the product of WWE will be to be very kind hit or miss at best. Um, you can definitely tell when there's just too many cooks and and one guy is not being honest with what the people want. He's just interested in what he wants, as opposed to with booking. Uh, you have guys who have really good minds for the business, understanding that we have to appeal to the broadest audience that we can, while still understanding that the broad pro, like the, the casual spectator of pro wrestling is gone. They don't exist. So all this really watching is diehards. And um, the more callous, I think Tony Khan so far has shown because he's got smart people around him that they have an understanding that there has to be a booker. There has to be like a really one central person and they have to know uh, they're basically their base. So I do believe that they will get things in line, uh, not to say things are out of line, but this is just a pro wrestling program. So right now it's like, well, shit, what happens next? Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if a uh, TNA guys or impact guys are allowed to actually invade AEW if they'll get that green light. So I think that could actually help them. Yeah, you know, get a one win back. But again, right now, and I do not know if it necessarily hurts um, Impact, 
because the fact that Kenny Omega is obviously came in was you know beat the champion for the world title and then on the AEW he's not even you know he's the AEW champ right now he's kind of stuck in the secondary storyline you know and you know he's about to be you know was involved in a comedy gimmick kind of uh the next you know the next AEW dynamite so it's just it's a little weird that you know from from um Impact's perspective. I don't think it's about booking like AEW or anything. All right. Obviously, AEW's focus right now is the blood and guts and, mm-hmm. you know, the pinnacle versus uh, in the circle storyline. But just, yeah, it doesn't help. You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing if, you know, you come in, you beat our champion, and then you stand on your promotion, you, you know, you close that out. But it's almost like you come in, you beat our champion, and then, you know, you're not even the, the main event guy on your own show at this point. Right, you know? right. And it's kind of hard. I mean, yeah. AEW, yeah, AEW has that. And I understand what they're trying to do because, you know, I get what they're trying to do with Kenny because Kenny can't, he can't be too dominant. He doesn't lose in the ring. So he's got to look kind of like a buffoon (laughs) because he's beating everyone (laughs) with the one winged angel. You know, like, again, I do, and I appreciate it. I don't like 50-50 booking. Nobody comes out looking good when you book in that way. Uh, But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's like, well, he's the biggest thing on impact, but then he comes in and he's the he's the second biggest thing on his own show where he's got all the belts. And I think that that speaks to and that's happened before. But I think that definitely speaks to basically the buildup of the ascension of MJF, the character and uh, the inner circle. Um, and also you got you have like 10, 11, 12 talented dudes <laughs> that you have to find something to do uh, with, with those guys. And that's ba- that's like, yeah, that's what they got to do. And blood and guts is a, is a is a is a different theme concept, but yeah, it is one of those things. Like, but that's your that's your champion. But we've seen it before. Blood and guts is what it is. I'm sure it'll be great. After that, the focus has to go back on the guy who's holding every title. And actually, uh, speaking of, um, we have had there's has been some um, changes in AW rankings as far as who's mm-hmm. going to be the next person to challenge. Uh, Kenny Omega because uh, Hangman Page, the guy who you would think was in line for the, you know, and I think eventually was almost guaranteed to be AEW champion at some point. That's kind of the story they've been telling since the beginning of the promotion. Um, but yeah, he's no longer the number one contender after losing to Brian Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, really kind of, you know, a good match and, you know, surprising. And uh, it's good to see Brian Cage again being booked like a monster. You know what I mean? Like the, the person he actually looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now uh, Orange Cassidy is your new number one contender, fresh off uh, being Pentagon. Yeah, I mean that was that was very interesting and that was very surprising. Hey, throw the throw the throw the kid a shot. Let's see what he can do. Um, I don't think I don't you know. Hey, he is popular. Um, they like him, and he's one of their stars. He's one of their actual stars. Got to build him. Uh, I like the match with him in Pentagon. Didn't see it going that way. Uh, this is fine. And uh, we'll see what goes on from there. But yeah, very big, very, very happy to see Cage back in the mix. Um, they still got to do something with that FTW title, man. You just have that. There's something to be done there with that thing. And they got to, I, I, I believe they just have to capitalize on it because. Well, he, he has been defending it on, yes. uh, on Dark and on on Elevation. Dark. But the, yep. And there's only, you know, that's kind of, I think, the point of having those YouTube shows, right? Right yep. now, there's only so much TV time, unfortunately. Yeah. And honestly, it's like when you're dealing with a pro wrestling company that actually believes and pays attention to wins and losses, the record does matter. Right. So and again, that's another thing that they do, I think, particularly well. 
I was I was lukewarm. I was excited, but lukewarm to the idea of actually saying what each wrestler's record is. But after seeing the execution thus far, I'm pretty I, I like it a whole lot because it gives you an understanding of where that person is in the scheme of things. So Brian Cage beating Hangman Adam Page, who had yet to lose all year, is a big deal um, because Hangman Adam Page is, you know, he's the he's there. He's their homegrown main event guy that they're that they're in a sense grooming. And, you know, he's pretty over. Uh, him and Darby Allen. So it's like, okay, this, this switches up the mix. You know, what happens when one of your, one of your growing baby faces has a really big setback? Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, just being aware. Of, and to be fair, um, other companies who maybe don't keep practice, they still do like, you do have a kind of a good track of like, Hey, this person has been on a hot streak for a while. You see who they're pushing and whatnot, but it is, it does add something to, to say this person is, defeated in 2021 mm-hmm. that sort of thing it just kind of helps drive the and um yeah we'll, we'll see what what happens next i do it, it is again impressive to see what aw has been doing um with both mgf and orange cassidy that i do there's still a, a future of this company right once all the you know um being the elite guys kind of yes. have that run on top Yep, there's still a, a world where those are your baby face and your your heel who will kind of rule the company for you know however long. Um, yeah. And yeah, right, right now they're both in that you know almost position, right, where either yes. one of them could be your next uh, champ and it won't be weird. Yes, I also think um, AEW's done a pretty good job thus far, uh, and some may disagree of sort of rebranding. Uh, you know, Miro. Um, they've done a really, I think, for me, a really good build of him because he is a WWE guy. It's how a lot of people know him. So he had to spend a good amount of time being more so himself while still showing you the elements of him that is an utter monster. And it's been coming out over the, since he got there, actually, every time he's been in the ring, he's been a killer. That's been established. So he's always been very, very, very strong. And the best man gimmick was, I thought, very, very smart because it was almost like to me, like a, a Eastern European Mr. Perfect type deal. Um, but, you know, kind of zany and that, OK, I'm here for the wedding and the thing. But it became very, very clear that, hey, this was a guy who's about business. And since you can't just come in and give the guy the ball because he's not from here, you've got to build him in a different way. And I didn't fully understand where they were going with it until, oh, he's going to kill Kip. And then he killed Kip. And I'm like, yeah, Kip is dead. This is good. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I enjoy the turn. I'm not going to go as far as to say they've done a good job until this point. This is finally uh, something that, you know, he's finally looking good. And this is, you know, I'm happy with the, the storyline where he's like, look, I'm here for the titles. And I'm like, that's better. To me, that's a better gimmick than, hey, I'm the best at everything. You know, I'm, I am the best man. I'm the best at video games. It's like, and it sounds to me like, you know, I, I hear you about being yourself. Sometimes people are just not that interesting. And that, you know, well, so no, that, being yourself that maybe should be on, on, on TV. So I, yeah. you know, um, to, be, to be honest, again, until this point, I, I got it. And I agree with you, especially as far as, you know, he just got here. You can't really, uh, you know, it will look weird some sort of way would push you, especially given, you know, we signed all these other guys from WWE. So I agree with that. But um, until this point, was not a big fan of the way they pushed them. 
but that's the beautiful thing, right? Is that once you can you can fix wrestling like right, with a turn or with one moment, you can kind of reheat somebody, especially well, if they're talented, and we, which we know Miro is. Well, yeah, and again, I think it, they brought him in in a situation where he was getting himself over and getting and by and getting Kip over, really, um, you know, just by association because Miro's the the bigger star of the two of them, but it was also giving him the rub, being sort of the heavy for Kip for a period of time, but still, I mean, I always saw him as a menacing figure when he came in. Um, and I always knew it was going to take a turn up. I want the titles. You know, he's been, he's been saying this for a while. I'm here for these titles. I'm here for these belts and goodness gracious. I mean, I think it's one of those things like you, it, with him, especially it's like, you just brought Christian in. You can't put him in the title mix. You, you actually, you can't do it because you're, you're blowing your load. There has to you have to get to that place in a way that is organic, sensible and still doesn't bury everyone around you. And I think in building a mural, they always presented him as a killer and as a monster. And they put him with their people. And even when Miro suffered a loss, it was in a tag match and he was not the one getting pinned. You know what I'm saying? So it's like he, he never he no, he didn't he didn't get buried in any type of situation. He's been made to look very, very strong and have character development, you know, over this period of time. I think anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. He would be interesting. No, no, I agree with you. I do. I do think it would be interesting to see what what uh, he goes for next. There is a you know, I, I just assumed he was going to go after uh, Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, that one made sense to me again. Yep. You know, uh, Darby has been putting on really good matches. Uh, arguably the best secondary champion in the world right now. I think um, so. Kind of, uh, and uh, so it would be, you know, good to see what they can do together. And again, obviously Darby can work at everyone, right? His has worked bigger guys during this title reign. Yes. Um, but, you know, you just brought up an interesting idea of maybe, you know, I would love to see him against uh, Brian Cage, to be honest with you. Just, you know, big sweaty men uh, slapping meat, so yeah. to speak. So, going, going um, at it, yeah. And again, maybe that they get to that point down the line. Cage turns babyface. They've been hinting at that for a time, but I think mm-hmm. Miro would have to have the TNT title. Um, but Darby's doing really well with the title right now, and and the ratings aren't. I mean, look, you know, the John he was on, they got a one point two rating, you know, and he is a part of that. So you know, it's it's they have a lot of good options, and I, I yeah, but seeing Cage and Miro mix it up and eventually mix it up for a title. Oh, that'd be cool because both these guys are super athletic in their primes and, and can, and can do stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want to talk about the, the preview of the next week's show? We do have the blonde got special coming up. Yeah. Um, we can talk about whatever, whatever you, but you're not, you want to talk about the whole card or, or just I mean, the, the, the main event because the rest of the card doesn't look bad, but it's kind of just regular. I mean, there's QT Marshall versus Cody, which, um, they've done a decent job telling. I just don't particularly care. I gotta be honest with you about QT Marshall. I, I enjoy the storyline. I like it. It's a breakup, and you know, it's a person trying to, you know, it's, it's a classic story, right? I'm yep. tired of being a spotlight. Um, QT Marshall is just ultimately, in my opinion, not the most compelling character, but I'm not sure, not. yeah. And, and Cody can work with people, he can work, he's great at storytelling matches where you know, he doesn't need to be in the ring with like the best athlete in the world. So I'm sure they'll have a good match, yeah. I think that. I think it's really an opportunity for QT to, you know, put himself in a position to where he can sort of up his value. I think thus far QT has maximized his minutes, um, you know, with that. So I think that that is a good thing. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think ultimately, obviously he's not the guy, but I think it is Cody being like, Hey man, I'm going to work with everyone, especially mm-hmm. since I've phased myself out of the world title picture. You know, this is just kind of the stuff I had to do. And again, he made it compelling. It, they've been maximizing their minutes, maximizing their time and QT, his positions are legitimate. His gripes are legitimate. So, you know, we'll see what they do, but I think going down the card would be a bit helpful because there's a lot going on here. I mean, we literally have, I mean, we've got, we have got, uh, you know, SoCal uncensored, you know, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian versus Jurassic Express versus the Varsity Blondes versus probably my new favorite tag team, the Acclaimed. And that's a four-way title match or four-way tag match for an eventual shot at the AEW World Tag Team Championships, which, you know, I think that'll be a great four-way for what four ways are now. Sure, I agree with you. I think it would be really good as well. Uh, why, uh, Why is the claim your new favorite tag team? I think that realistically, I think the boys are just a lot of fun. I think uh, I think Max Caster is just very, very, very creative and fun. Uh, they really have been able to. I've been watching them for a while. You know, they've been able to maximize their minutes. Their vignettes have been tremendous. Um, of course, you know, Max can he can rap, you know, pretty well. Um, highly entertaining in that. And these guys have a very legitimate background and they are developing their characters and their personalities very, very well. And they're pretty solid workers. And since they're so much different than the field right now, um, I appreciate that. And since, you know, if you're not going to give me my healthy dosage of butcher and blade, then I need, I got to go. So, cause before it was the butcher and the blade who has, if I was a child watching AEW, like the butcher and the blade, like would terrify me. And I, hmm. I love them for that. But since they're not giving me my butcher and the blade, you know, the acclaimed is, is that group now. I'm again, and I, as pretty much since the beginning, AEW has done a great job of uh, promoting tag team wrestling. And I think this shows that I'm uh, like all four of the teams in this match, even though uh, there has been solid hints that SCU breaking up. And I think, you know, I think we're on their way to seeing uh, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, have a little feud with one another, but um I get a really big fan of Varsity Blondes uh, and Jurassic Express. You know, you talk about being, you know, if I was 13 years old, this would be my favorite team. Yeah. By, yeah. by a stretch. Yeah. And then I still, I'm still, I'm still getting a kick out of a wrestling dinosaur. Um, oh, yeah. Which yeah, m- might say more about me. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> um, uh, that's kind of, you know, who I think, uh, I think they have, um, again, they have been obviously giving them a, a nice push. They've been on, it seems like almost every episode of yeah. AW Dynamite since launch. Yep. Um, so they've been definitely featured, but have yet to win a title. So I think maybe they will, uh, this would be a step in that direction for the Jurassic Express. Yeah, definitely. That's a good, it's a, it's, I think it's going to be a good opener. Next up, we have Britt Baker with Rebel versus uh, To Be Announced. So I'm sure that'll be fun. The, the, the famous To Be Announced. To Be Announced. Britt's upped her game. She's the top, I think, the top woman in all of AEW. Although, uh, you know, uh, Karushita is the woman. Um, I think in terms of just the overall character, she's the most developed character, of course, and the biggest heel and all signs point to her getting the title and breaking uh, the record uh, setting run of uh, Kira Tozawa or not Kira Tozawa, I'm sorry, Akaru Shida. But yeah, whoever Brooks facing, it'll be fun. 
So, you know. Yeah, um, I agree. Again, I think I'm um, interested to see what, you know, how, what she could do in a traditional match. Uh, she has had a good run of match. Obviously, her last one, though, was just kind of such a knock, you know, knocked out of the park. I think uh, I think it's the first time there was pressure on her to put on a really good match. Whereas before, all her good matches were kind of like, oh, wow, she's getting better. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, it, was, kind of yeah it was. It was definitely. Oh, shit. <laughs> it was that. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, OK. Now it's like, oh, no, you're good. So we yeah, like now yeah. we expect we expect to come from you. That, that yeah. so the fact that you can be on the card versus TBA, and I'm still in my interest has peaked. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we have kind of a I, I'm interested to, in seeing what it's gonna be. We have a Kenny Omega and uh Michael Nakazawa versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Love it, love it. I mean, for one, the pairing of John Moxley and Eddie Kingston is just tremendous. Like, I just love their pairing they vibe very again these are two i think pro wrestling at its best is when you have these characters that are so much like themselves um to the point that i think the best workers are the workers that not only can and find they can find ways to talk you into the match like they can get you into the match to whereas some guys they just have to be an amazing wrestler you know, it's like, I'm just an amazing person who can do all of these moves. And again, Kenny, I'm the best bout machine. That was the most, let's not be mistaken. It was not the cleaner. It was not any, no, he, it was him and Okada doing the things that they were doing. That's what that was. That's what made that so interesting. That's what made him so interesting and compelling. It wasn't too much of a character, really, because Omega's kind of a zany dude. Uh, no. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston are different. Them dudes seem real. And those dudes seem like dudes you know. And they can talk you like, bro, I want to see them fight. Even if they aren't bell to bell the best workers ever, that really doesn't matter because John Moxley was the wrestler of the year last year, unquestionably. Unquestionably. PWI 500 uh, number one, which he had earned because he was the man. Uh, and that wasn't all, like, it was the overall presentation. deserved, absolutely. Yeah. It was the overall presentation of not just what I do in the ring, but how I get you into watching me in the ring. So both those guys are just very good, like no, it, pro wrestlers. Absolutely, no. John Moxley had his uh, John Moxley World Traveler. I mean, uh, you know, we kind of we started our podcast um, after, or kind of it already happened. And I mean, although he still he still you know I think we saw him fight Suzuki this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, within. Um, but yeah, no, him traveling and kind of, you know, just to compete and every time he gets announced, it's exciting. You're excited to see him come because mm-hmm. he does has that have that presence about him. They're both those old school wrestlers that you kind of, you know, used to read about how, um, you know, back in the 80s that we would go to a bar and then kind of, you know, get in the bar fight when somebody would say that wrestling is fake. And yeah, that's what Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, that's their whole vibe. They would yeah. be the guys, you know, your brain busters, your guys, you know, yep. who are behind flair, um, yeah. if you will. Yeah, just real hard. And, uh, and absolutely. And, and which is weird because uh, John Moxley, you know, he is kind of both at the same time, right? He's the guy behind Flair, but also has that Flair vibe to him where you just excited for him to come to your promotion and fight your guy. I mean, look, um, man, he came so to New Japan. He came, he went to New Japan, was the man, and now he's fighting Yuji Nagata on AEW right. television. And it's for the a- IWGP United States Championship. Yuji right. Nagata? Bro, I mean, come on. That's cool. I'm like, yeah, sign me up, bro. The Blue Justice. That's yeah. right. Very, yeah. very excited to see that match. But that's the, I think that's next week. That's right, next if I'm not week. mistaken. Yeah, it's next weekend. Yeah. yeah. Very, next but yeah, that's yeah. low-key, if, if I have to be honest, and, and not to poop on uh, blind guts, which I'm very excited about. 
Uh, I'm more excited about that match than anything on on Blood and Guts. Easy, if I, if I may be honest. Easy, easy, easily. Um, but with that said, um, yeah, let's talk about the main event. We do have the Blood and Guts match, the Tequila match with the Inner Circle: Chris Jericho, Santana Ortiz, Sammy Guevara, and Jake Hager going up against the Pinnacle: MJF, Dax, Cash, Sean Spears, and Wardlow. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna. It's been solid. Um, two seemingly mega factions when it re- realistically it's one mega faction and like a, a super group collective in the pinnacle, you know, super group as they want you to believe them to be. Um, I, I think the build has been appropriate. It's been solid. They've cut some, some great promos on one another. I think MJF has really stepped up um, in terms of, you know, the promos that he's putting together because it's essentially his group. I do believe that this is the time that since the promos have been so heavily slanted towards one or two people talking, it's mostly it's been 80 percent Jericho and MJF going back and forth. So the match in and of itself is really where a lot of other people are going to have to really get them like it's Sean Spears is going to have to show out. You know what I'm saying? Because they haven't given him anything to do except be the tallest guy there. Yeah, like that's literally what they've given him to do. And, 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 you know, and he is a solid worker. Uh, Jake Hager is there. So you have to give him something to do also. So I think that's where these guys are going to um, set themselves apart. I think they're going to kill each other. I think it's going to go great. And I think Pinnacle has to win. Um, If you want to set them up to immediately be that type of team, to be that type of faction, they need to win because they've never fought. And they've, so they've never won anything. Um, you could have uh, the inner circle win. Fine. But then it's just like, okay, but then you're just telling me not to care about Pinnacle. Because Young Bucks got those tag team titles. I don't see them losing them. So it's not like FTR is going to all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? So you got to give them something. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I will say this. The promos and the one thing I, I thought was a little bit weird when the feud started and I thought just how well they did was, are they really going to be able to uh, complete the turn with the inner circle and really kind of present them as baby faces after, you know, with such a natural heels? Like, I mean, how does Jericho, you know, this 50-year-old kind of uh, obviously in real life self-aware, but on TV not self-aware at all that he's washed up, kind of yeah. rock star. This, yeah. like, you know, how does he work as a baby face? And it turns out really well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, again, I think they did a great job kind of hyping up. Obviously, Chris Jericho and MJF, two of the, um, I would say, you know, best promos in the in the world today, you know, in the, in the, on the short list right up there with uh, Aiden Kingston, who we mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, and, yeah, they did, a, again, plenty of violent um, moments, especially the start of the feud, and to the point where it justifies this, this Blood and Gods match. Yes, very so, much so. Definitely excited. And yeah, I think the Pinnacle has to win this. I think, again, they're much, much newer. Um, and we'll see what it leads to again. I don't know if it will get up hold MJF to the title match. Probably not. I know MJF against Hugh Kane and Mega seems a little bit weird. Um, maybe it will get up hold um, the, the FTR, as you mentioned. Maybe it will at least give them a, a tag team title match, matches. We'll see. It is going to be interesting. Yes. Yeah, very much so. So switching gears here. Because this past Friday on SmackDown, we did have a, a night of championship uh, matches on SmackDown, which was headlined by Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan and for the Universal title. And if Bryan won, he was going to be Universal champion. And if he lost, 
He was barred from SmackDown. And uh, in what was, you know, the, a good match that saw uh, Roman Reigns win. And Daniel Bryan is now off of uh, of SmackDown. But everyone basically saw that coming. Was not a, really a surprise mm-hmm. to anyone. Um, they got Roman over strong. And it was a good situation given that Bryan is, is leaving, at least leaving for the, the interim. It's a good way to get Roman over strong and give him some, just a little, just some credibility. Um, and be like, Hey, let me beat this guy. Who's been kicking my ass for like, for, you know, for, for months. And yeah, I double pinned him, but bro, I was getting destroyed 70% of that mania match. And it's his first title defense. That was clean. Yeah. It was his first no, with no, without Jay's help. Right. With no chicanery. So it, it gets, it gives him that level of, uh, credibility before he goes in and gets roughed up by Cesaro. So uh, I thought that was good. I thought they show some new things. You know, uh, I think Roman, he uh, debuted his new music, um, which stinks. Uh, the song. <laughs> I like it. it. It's, it's a, a Saw Hill song. It's, no, it's nothing great. Saying, but, but... No, no, but, but here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. It sucks. It's garbage. It's trash. It's trash. And I know some of you Roman fans, oh, no, the new theme is it's trash. And you're being silly. But here's what's important. It sounds a little bit like uh, Bobby Lashley's knockoff, which is why I don't like it. But 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 the sound itself is fine. Go ahead. But here's what's important. He's a heel. So he doesn't need to have cool music. Having cool music is one of the first things that can kill a heel. Diesel, when he came into the WWE, his music was a big rig truck honking a horn. And it stunk. And it was appropriate. Razor Ramon had cool theme music. He wasn't going to be a heel for long. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just wasn't one of those things. I'll give you another example. And I, I, this is divisive, but I remember Triple H when he broke off and from the, from the, you know, he's doing the ministry of darkness shit or the corporate, the corporation, the ministry of darkness started debuting a theme song called higher brain uh, pattern. And I liked it a whole lot. It was very, it was totally different from any theme song. Higher Brain Pattern got about two or three iterations before it became my time, uh, which I believe was his best theme. Then he got uh, the Higher Brain Pattern in like 2000, like this remix version. And I liked all these themes, but keep in mind, this was also a prime Triple H. Him having cool theme music made me like him more. And it was the, and I, I know I'm in the majority of this. When I first heard Motorhead, uh, it's time to play the game. I hate, I think the song sucks to this day. It's a bad song, but as a heel, wow. it's, a, it's, a, that's it's a, a that's a hot take. That's actually a hot take. I mean, it's a bad song. I mean, I don't, well, even, I don't even, I don't even, it's, it's a bad song, but, but it's appropriate because he was a heel and I was like, yeah, I don't like this, but I'm not supposed to like this. So I, I can appreciate doing the right I thing. I think you like, were supposed to like this. I think you, yeah, but I, but no, I but here's entrance. The, no, but it's here's one the, of the most copied entrances, though. The, the yeah, water, but, but the whole thing. But yeah, but but the thing about it is one of the things that makes his entrance so unlikable, at least to me, is it's more spectacle than it is substance. Right. The coolest thing about a Triple H match is the entrance. So uh, once you get through that one, the song is not good. It's it's literally just a techno. It's a it's it's a light show, which it always was, to be fair, uh, even when I did like him. But uh, it's nothing more than a light show. It's long. It's drawn out. Uh, it's it's the unnecessary spitting of perfectly good water uh, while we do, while they're not people. You know, he's not he doesn't even want to hydrate. He spits water. Children are starving all over and they're g- going through malnourishment with lack of water. This idiot is spitting water. 
But uh, but again, it's effective. For instance, another instance, Ravishing Rick Rude didn't like his theme song in WWF. He was a heel. He first comes to WCW. I don't like his first theme. I love his second theme, one of the greatest pro wrestling themes of all time. And I liked him from then on. Mr. Perfect, as a kid, didn't like him because he didn't really have cool music. You grow up and you're like, now it's cool. But at the time, no. Pomp and Circumstance, was, uh, by my, that was Macho Man Randy Savage's theme, was not a cool song, especially when he was a heel. You know, like, so I think that the song that Roman has is good in that it's not enjoyable, really. And it's not the last version of that song that we've heard. You can clearly tell that they're going to be adding more layers to it. So it eventually might become cool-ish, um, but he still wrestles how he wrestles. So it can't be that cool. First of all, Morehead's The Game is, is a good song. No, I it's think not. It's, a it's actually, it's good. actually, so, and you people lie to yourselves when you it's say this. It's a genuinely now, good song. Now, the remix. Go ahead. Especially Motor- for Ranch, Last Ranch. The, it no. has a good, the, no, the, the, first of all, Lenny's voice is great. That's first of all. Second of all, the, it has a really good riff, which is only no, really needed for a good rock, rock song. It's terrible. But the remix of it, the 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 uh, the the King of Kings theme is is cool. But, I mean, yeah. But- See, I, I, I disagree with you. I always preferred uh the, the game to the king of kings to be honest but I, I, we can I, we can say that for, yeah we, we can say it for, for another time, time. Yes. i will say this what about rick flair rick flair has the, had the coolest entrance in you know forever with the no uh, no the space odyssey theme no and, i I, and yeah, I just I, arrogant heel trash yeah music. of course but it matched. But that's, it but sounds that's, good but that's the point that's what i'm saying that's why it's effective so i'm Fair saying I, what i'm saying i hate the song yes sonically yeah, i don't good like it but that's a good thing but I Fair shouldn't, enough. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So like, that's why Jericho, Jericho gave you a cool theme song. So he was going to be face eventually because people are singing the lyrics to his song. So eventually he has to turn baby face. That's right. That's a good point. Um, I thought they had a great match. I think uh, Brian and, uh, and Rain was work to get their work together really well. Ever since the Roman was in the shield, uh, you're uh, technical wrestler, they always make for a good matchup. Um, love seeing Roman, by the way, kind of get even better and better every day. At, at, at and he's always been, by the way, a solid seller and a bumper. But yes. I think he did maybe some of his best work on on that match on uh, on Friday and yeah. and against Daniel Bryan. Period. Right? Like you have to because he's so much smaller than him. Yep. He really has to sell his submissions. Like like his his shoulders being torn out. Yep. Um. Yeah. Love their match. Love the fact that you know I think Roman needed a clean win with no assistance. Because, again, as he has been a really great champion and a really, you know, great heel. But I think that kind of – he was missing that credibility a little bit just with Jake constantly getting involved and helping him out. So, yeah, um, I, I think yeah, I really love they what, what they did. I love the post-match ankle, having, you know, uh, you know, watching having Cesaro watch, um, thinking about your concerto, you know, for the twice, uh, second time this month for a guy with a history of concussions. Um yeah, I thought it was just, again, just a really well, you know, executed show. And, uh, you know, it was some kind of one. Well, let me not say that. Have, there were some other decent events. And I thought they delivered on all fronts. Um, uh, Roman Reigns on SmackDown. I'm interested to see what they will do with that one as well. Now with Cesaro having kind of to speak for himself. Um, you know, his mouth, the guy, Daniel Bryan, who has been his mouthpiece. And they clearly do not want him talking too much. Um, and to be quite honest, not to, you know, uh, get on the bad side of the internet. I do not blame him. Cesaro just has not, the few times he has spoken during this feud has not been great for me, at least, especially, you know, 
uh, when he's in the ring with Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, and Paul Heyman, uh, and Jay Uso also. Uh, so I do, you know, think some of it's going to be him having to, you know, maybe step up and cut some sound some of the more impassioned that he has been, or you know, more a little bit more compelling that he has been. Um, but also the match, you know, that being said, kind of does sell itself. I mean, they've done an excellent, you know, build for it, and um, let's be let's be honest, we all just want to see them wrestle. Like how like Roman Reigns versus Star is going to be an amazing match. Yeah, I think it's a situation where less is more when it comes to Cesaro speaking. Again, not everybody needs to cut 10-minute promos. Not, I mean, look, I've got, I've got Raw on mute right now, and Charlotte Flair's been going on for five minutes. Let me tell you, it's too long. Not everyone needs to be cutting these promos, especially when some of these people are overrated promos. I'm looking at one right now. But this is also to say that I do believe that in some <laughs> cases, you don't need people speaking for that long. You just actually don't. Um, Cesaro's work does speak for himself. Also, hey, maybe try giving him more. No, but he does need to sound compelling. He does need to sound. He does need to sound compelling. That's what I'm worried about, Cesaro. But you don't need. But you don't need to. You don't need to do it in five minutes. Hey, baby, give me give me 120 seconds. Let's hit these bullet points. You work with Paul. Hit these bullet points. Get that thing across. Otherwise, you're swinging and uppercutting, because you need again. Let's build him like we should have built Roman. Like people. Here's the difference. Cesaro's likable. So he doesn't have to say much. Have him swing people, throw people, uppercut them in midair because he's physically bigger than Roman. He's physically stronger than Roman. So it's Roman's first match as champion in this new heel iteration where he is the smaller man. He is the less physical man. He is the less technically or uh, he's the less physically dominant person. You can try to present him that way, but I don't believe you. Cesaro barrels over Roman. He just he, he just will. So it's literally the Roman having to do his first Ric Flair job with the guy who's physically more imposing than him. Uh, it's like Flair versus Luger in the eighties fly or it, like Flair has to find a way just to get by the guy. Cause the guy's just too goddamn strong and he's just too big. So I think with, with, with Cesaro, less is more, less is absolutely positively more. We Goldberg didn't need to talk. But at least, but look again. Ricky Steamboat was not the best promo in the world, but nope. he, at, first of all, he could just run the best sellers, right? When he was yes. a pain, you you know, uh, nobody can really match him. I think maybe even ever, arguably. But yeah. more importantly, when he used to cut a promo, yeah, they, he had his family. He yep. had, and but again, nine they need to go long, but give him ninety seconds, he could do it. And yep. I'm not saying Cesaro can. I'm just saying he has not so far. He has that's not so far. No, and that's fair, and that's and that's fine. I think it's just one of those things is about how you present it. And you have to present it in such a way that it's like, hey, if you're an actual real professional wrestling company like you claim to be, what you do is and you have Paul Heyman right there, one of the masters of hiding someone's weaknesses and really amplifying their strengths. So you have to hone in and key in on that, especially right now when you're still actively in a pandemic. And let's be frank, especially on SmackDown, they are hard up for people on the main event scene. They, they, they just need people. They don't have anyone. They just don't have anyone on the main event scene. So you have to build a guy. You have to create a guy. And uh, you've, you've screwed the pooch on Cesaro so many times that, that realistically right now is the safest time to do it in that you're able to tell a story without the live audience actively telling you no. So you're able to bet. This is, and again, all the mistakes that they make, it's, there, it's of their doing right now because this is the most controlled environment that we've really ever seen within professional wrestling, quite frankly. So the, if, if, if their shit isn't getting off, it's their fault. It's how you produce it. It's how you put it out there. It's their fault when they do that. 
And again, you can produce Azaro in a perfectly good way. You did him no favors when you told him for damn near a decade that he couldn't talk and you didn't let him. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like you did him no favors. So you didn't even give the guy the opportunity to become good. And here's where I know that this place knows better because there was once a wrestler, I don't know if you've heard of him, called Bret Hart. And Bret Hart was not a strong talker. But go back to his, but, but here's what happened. Bret said to Vince, he's like, he's like, Vince was like, yeah, your promos aren't good. He's like, oh, how can my promos get good when you never let me talk? And then all of a sudden over time, he got to talking. And I will say this. Because I, I will put money on this and I want you people to go back and be honest with yourselves. 97 Bret Hart, 96, 97 Bret Hart, nobody was better than him. And he was a heel and he was burying damn near everyone in his promos. Sean, uh, them dudes was not seeing this man. Go back to that. He was the hot and, it's, and Vince let him go. He was the hottest guy in the industry. He was the MVP. Steve Austin even says, if it's not for Brett, there is no Stone Cold Steve Austin. It wasn't Sean, it wasn't your beloved Shawn Michaels that did that. It was a Bret Hart that was able to cultivate and learn how to become better. So by the time he finally got himself, he got his hands on a subject matter that he cared about. He was able to knock it out of the park. And instead with Cesaro, you said for over half a decade, you can't talk and we ain't going to let you. Asinine. I agree. I agree with some of it, but some of it was also Bret Hart had other things. Bret Hart had the glasses, he had the look, he had the leather jacket, and and Cesaro. They, and part of it, I know there's something they never gave him. Uh, that's your argument. And he has the swing. I know he has the swing. They were just super over. No, which is bro, why he's in the position he's at now, bro. But again, but you go ahead, bro. Think of all of the attire changes that Cesaro has gone through over the past six, seven years. And none it of them worked. No, no, no. It's not even that none of them worked. It's like, yo, every single look, let me try something else because what I'm doing, they're not using. I, I was a part. Look, so after Tyson I, I, and after Tyson, I thought he actually looked the best in terms of his ring gear. I thought it was cool. He had the AI like, you know, the armband thing. I thought that shit was cool. I thought all that stuff was really cool. These idiots didn't know how to market. It. They didn't know how to use that at all. Then all of a sudden him and Cesaro become one of the better WWF tag t- or, uh, or Sheamus become one of the better WWF tag teams ever in the bar. Guess what? That company barely promotes the name, barely markets that name. And again, Cesaro and Sheamus put their heads together to come up with cool attire and they do nothing with it. So to sit there and say that none of Cesaro's ideas worked is, is, is not true because they just never did anything with them. They never did. They just didn't do it. You can tell when a company wants to market a product. And when I say a company, I mean this company. You can tell when they want to market a product and you can tell when they don't. Roman Reigns Mm -hmm. shit for years stunk. All of his shirts was garbage. But guess what? They kept making them because they wanted it to get over or at the very least. They wanted it to sell well. So they were going to make sure you had all iterations so kids go buy that. Same thing with John Cena. When you want to do it, you make sure it happens. Same thing with Jeff Hardy, actually, during Jeff Hardy's run. They, they, they didn't want to give it to Jeff Hardy. But then they I was like, yo, we're barely pushing him, and he's outselling everybody. <laughs> so let's do something with this. They had those opportunities. They simply didn't. You, you even see it today, not even – Again, another prime example, Rude and, Rude and Ziggler, Dirty Dogs. That company refuses to touch the name and do anything with it because they don't, it, it got over in spite of them. It's doing something in spite of them. That's the same thing with Cesaro. I, uh, you know, I do not disagree with, with, with most of it. I do think, again, Cesaro's section definitely should have been more than just a few people with pieces of paper. And it definitely could have done more with uh, 
with him when he was, you know, hot after those in the middle of those John Cena matches back in 2015. So again, the, I'm just seeing patient, and I hope again, I hope they give him a chance. I hope he knocks out the park. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, he. he, he let's move on. Let's move on. We gotta move on to yep. the the other um, uh, WWE talisman. Uh, Braun Strowman just had, in my opinion, one of his best matches, probably his best match. I would say since probably Roman Reigns program, if I'm not, unless I'm forgetting something, uh, against Drew McIntyre. Uh, excellent, just a really excellent, you know, big hoss fight on Monday Night Raw. And uh, now he has been added to the triple threat match um, at the main, uh, was it WrestleMania? Uh, backlash. Backlash. WrestleMania backlash. backlash. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, shouts to, shouts to Drew. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a good match. Uh, one of his better because he's in there with Drew McIntyre, who's one of the best in the world. Um, didn't like the outcome. Don't feel it does. Again, it kind of goes back to what I'm saying and what I what we discussed when I'm like, yeah, here's what happens when you don't really see things through to the end. Um, you devalue a guy who's supposed to be your top baby face on the on the on your show um, because he's he, he just he just ate a loss from a guy who couldn't beat anyone of any real serious note for over six months. So, I mean, I, I don't think that that just does that that stinks. Um, especially when you factor well, in with destruction. I don't think it was it wasn't super clean though. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's bad. And Paul Strowman, he's a he's, monster. Um really? Is he a monster? He did say the same man who got put in a full Nelson against Bobby Lashley within six minutes and got put yeah, this the, 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 the same man who 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 got choked out by Roman Reigns, a six-three Roman Reigns. I don't even think Roman can get his whole arm around Braun Strowman's neck, but he passed out that that Braun Strowman again. But, and look, and look, and, and again, when you have former Universal Champion Braun Strowman, yeah, yeah, and, and guess what? What did the, what? Yeah, a cup of coffee with that title, and again, it goes back to <laughs> bad, bad decision making on their part because he probably should have never been Universal Champion because realistically, Gold, Goldberg, he wasn't supposed to. to Goldberg, right? Goldberg should have never been a Universal Champion. It should have oh, been the Fiend. So, so again, this company does a really big thing where they say, well, something's not working. They kill it before it can work. And then they're like, well, I don't understand why that person's not over. And you're doing them no favors. Drew McIntyre just beat Brock Lesnar in the most dominant fashion that anyone had seen since Goldberg uh, uh, in like in, at one of the Survivor Series years back. What do you have him do then months later, lose to Randy Orton in a Hell in the Cell match, yet win the title back within two weeks? There's no need for that. Randy didn't need to pick up one single win. I have to push back against Ray that because wait, 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 let me finish. Let me finish. Because Drew, we talked about on the Built to WrestleMania, Drew McIntyre and uh, Bobby Lashley ran through the entire Raw division basically yeah. at that point. Yeah, they beat everybody. So uh, and so to so to say they were not being booked as too dominant. Like it's I don't know. I think they did both. No, we I, had a really had two champions who were super dominant and it took. Uh, you know, uh, Drew McIntyre, what, uh, um, just like uh, the entire kitchen thing, kitchen thing thrown at him with the Elimination Chamber match plus surprise attack for him to that's, lose that, his That's fine. See, that that's okay. That that whole deal was fine. I'm talking about the business beforehand. You have him lose clean to one RKO, whereas Brock was hitting him with like two, three F5s and he's kicking out at one. It, realistically, why does he drop that match only to win the title back two weeks later? Randy did not need to win any part of that deal. 
You have him steamroll through Randy Orton. I have no problem with it. That never, it never happened before. He runs through Randy Orton. Randy couldn't get a single win over him. And keep in mind, this is this the same Randy Orton who got brutalized by Brock Lesnar. So you have him run through Randy Orton. Then, yes, you screw him at Elimination Chamber because he's so dominant a champion that that's what it actually requires to beat the man. Is there, is there a big difference between Drew McIntyre being one and three against, or three and one, or four and zero oh against Randy Orton? Realistically speaking, yes, for yes, how dumb of a champion yes, he yes, yes, because it's like, yo, this is the same Randy Orton who him and John Cena went back to back to back to back for two years from 2007 to 2009 over that world title, and it was all about them, and it was his generation. He's the best, da, 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 da. all this other stuff run right through him because it's different now. This is the Scottish warrior. You build up that lineage. So by the point that the Miz gets to screw him, you understand that what a mighty effort it takes to screw over that man. Thus, when you give him to Bobby Lashley at Mania and Bobby beats him and Bobby beats him, it's that huge. I'm not even talking about the disservice they did to the idea of Drew McIntyre as a top guy at Survivor Series. I'm leaving that one alone. I'm leaving that one alone when he, when he took that needless loss, like, like I'm leaving that one alone. No, you built him up as a perennial killer. And then when he then loses to a Bobby Lashley, that's a guy you should barely ever see on television because when he's on TV, he kills people, which they've done a pretty good job of doing. But imagine had he beaten a Drew McIntyre who no one could get a clean touch on the man for a year, for a year. I'm telling you, you think a three, three, a guy who beats uh, Randy Orton three times out of four or something. Imagine a Randy Orton who never beats Drew and then Drew never takes a loss at Survivor Series. And then he gets screwed over at our elimination chamber. And then Bobby kills everyone. He kills everyone in the lead up to that. And then then he loses. Then he loses. What does that say now about Bobby again? But, you know, uh, sure. Braun, 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 Braun of the triple threat. That's fine. I think overall you're correct. I do. I do think overall, right, especially seeing where Randy Orton is at now. Uh, you know, I don't don't necessarily think he know if he needed those two weeks for the title. But again, I do get that point, right? They see him as a legend. They see him as somebody who is, you know, a big deal. You don't want him going oh for four against anyone, right? Because at that point, you kind of just saying this guy was not a main event material. Mm-hmm. And with with Randy Orton, you you always want to have that, you know, break break glass in case of emergency. Yes. Well, this guy can beat anybody for the title at any moment, right? And then, so that's why, hence, that's why they gave him a title for two weeks. I had no problem with it. Again, I think when we were discussing the build to WrestleMania, I think we mean you were both in agreement that both Bobby and uh, and Drew were just you know booked really, really well over the course of the year. That's all. Um, either way, I, I think the Bobby will retain the title. I think it will be a good match as well. Uh, I'm actually very excited about what Randy Orton is doing with Matt Riddle right now. I do think this can be. Uh, interesting, interesting team. And again, you, you know, at this point in Raw, uh, the fact that you have an interesting tag team and tag team actually care about is in itself uh, an achievement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, right now, you know, Randy, Randy is showing he can do damn near anything they need him to do. So, and him and, and, and uh, Riddle do have chemistry. They are, they are entertaining with one another. Yeah, and again, Brock could, you know, always use a little bit more of uh, anything that's entertaining. Yeah, yeah, uh, so, definitely happy for them. Yeah. Um, oh, excited to see, it, man! Excited to see what's the next, what's going to happen next in the Raw Tag Team Division as well with uh, 
I know, that, you know, we're recording this in the middle of a Raw. I'm wondering if what if AJ Styles and uh, Omos was supposed to be on uh, on uh, this week's Raw final after, you know, being gone from that last couple of weeks. Uh, it's just to see what they do with them. Uh, we have to get out of here soon. Uh, and we have to talk about New Japan. Yes. Where there have been exciting developments. Um, your favorite wrestler, Jay White, uh, had a, another great match with Tanahashi, but they always always work each other really well. Um, some of my favorite, the, the, the Dragon Screw being uh, caught into the Blade Runner is always one of my favorite things to see in wrestling. It's just done incredibly pretty. Yes. Um, love the match they had. Love yeah. them working each other's limbs. Um, a heel again, telling you know, babyface, hey, I'm gonna tap you out and doing everything he can to do so. Not ultimately succeeding, which is yeah. nice. Kind of gives uh, a nice uh, out, if you will, yeah. uh, for Tanahashi. But he does he does succeed in being him for the Neverweight Open Championship. Yes, once again, you people will learn to breathe uh, with King Switch, who realistically, I mean, you know. Uh, people, if you know me, you know what I think about Jay White. Uh, I think he is arguably, quite possibly, the most effective heel in wrestling in that um, he does it properly and he makes it very real. And he does not, uh, he's not, he's not doing photo ops the next day talking about how they like co- creating compelling storylines in this nonsense. He goes out there and does it. He wrestles effectively well. And what he says, he doesn't, again, he says what he's going to do, and he does it. Now he's carrying around the never open weight title, very ugly title, uh, but he is a a uh, what is it? He said, uh, you know, he's a, a quadruple crown singles champion, the first ever in in New Japan history. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. I think New Japan is doing some very interesting stuff again due to the language barrier and and things. I don't know if it's universally well liked or not. Um, but I think they've got a lot of interesting things going for him. Again, Jay White and Tanahashi had a really, really excellent match. Uh, and again, credit to Tanahashi. Uh, guys, if you don't have New Japan World, please think about it. Um, about 10 bucks a month. But Tanahashi, you won't find – there are not many top guys that, that will really do what Tanahashi has done. Um, make no mistake, Tanahashi was the top guy during a very dark period of New Japan. There's no Naito. There is no Okada. Uh, there is no Jay White. There is not. There is none of these guys really without him riding that ship uh, through a very dark period of time. I mean, him and Nakamura, but it was him and the beating that that man's body took. Um, all the and I have to tell you, the guy's in great shape now. That man was an Adonis, and he broke his back for that place. And you're you're talking about a guy who has no who has no meniscus in either knee. Um, and who still can go out there and compete and wrestle like that in his mid forties and still give you really compelling matches and is so open to making stars. I mean, when he made Okada, when he was 36, I mean, he was still the man and he was like, yeah, okay, that's what we're doing then. Um, that I, I can't say enough about that guy because even one of my all time favorite wrestlers, the, you know, Keiji Muto, who is who Tanahashi is a disciple of Muto's. I mean, Tanahashi has been more business than business in a way that I don't think any of those guys would have done back then. No, yeah. Uh, I think very uh, to the point where I don't know who else would be. If you have to ask me who has been the best wrestler in the past 20 years. Yeah. Um, 
it's a very short list, and I don't know. I don't don't know if we can argue ahead of Tanahashi. I mean, maybe there's AJ, Daniel Bryan. It's it's very very short list, and most of them were free agents. Yeah, really, no one who stayed in one company for the for the rest of the time. Yeah, um, there back might... in the day was a long argument him and John Cena because they kind of came up around the same time. Right. But John Cena not being wrestling actively for the past three years, and meanwhile Tanahashi is just still putting out, as you we talked about, putting out classics. Um, yeah. This is what his set, at least as far as I can remember, second grade match this year. And I'm yeah. talking like great, like capital grade. Yeah. No, more than that, because him and uh, Jay White had yeah. another match. That had was another awesome. match. Yeah, that Early was, that was excellent. Yeah, that was uh, excellent. As part of the New Japan Cup. Yep. It that was taken. Excellent. And then, of course, him against Shigo had one of my favorite matches. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. may be guys as good of the past 20 years as Tanahashi, but none are better. I mean, like, there's like him and AJ. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if you were like, oh, Kenny, stop. As no, good, no. as good, maybe, but not better. Not, not, not at all. 20 years now. There's no, no way. There's no, no way. way. Yeah, Wait. no, I agree. No, I agree. But there are going to be people like, oh, no, it's Kenny. It's like, no, bro, let's not, let's not go back and watch no, 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 no. Tadahashi stuff and the guys he had to work with and the things. Nah, bro, that man is a marvel. Maybe, I mean, Jericho is somebody you can name there, right? Just based on, you know, He's, no, like, he's not with the man until he went to AEW, but sure. just what you know, the stuff he's done the last few years kind of elevates him and his longevity and how good he has been as a character this whole time. Always worked with the top guys, and he was never necessarily the top guy. Um, but he had long, long breaks there. That, that so, yeah, is it you know, interesting discussion maybe for you know, some other time. Um, but yeah, all else to say again, if you do not know Tanahashi, please get familiar. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, I'm also very excited that my guy, Shingo Takagi, has, I think it's his first uh, shot at the world title. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I don't think I don't think it's going to happen for him, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Ross the brand champ, I think it's his first defense. Chances are he's not going to lose to, to, to my guy, but uh, at least the match will be good. Shingo yes. and the Will Ospreay, no matter what you think of Will Ospreay, uh, always do put on pretty good matches together. People are going to enjoy it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> last match. Last match I wanna I wanna give a spotlight to it's on main event. Uh yes, the main event, the show. If you do watch it, you probably don't. Uh as a show on Hulu, uh, which is a WWE showcase where usually I'll have one match from Raw from past week Raw, one match from past week SmackDown. And between them, they'll do give you two brand new matches featuring some wrestlers who really should be used better. Uh, and in this case, this is the most main event match because the, I've been really entertained by the feud, um, the, the way they've been promoting. You have Ricochet, who can talk. He can cut promos, ladies and gentlemen. He has improved tremendously on the mic. I guess Mustafa Ali, who's always been good on the mic. Um, and then he had an entertaining match, uh, kind of a quick quick finish. They didn't have as much time as I was hoping they would. Uh, but they began you know, the rematch soon. So just want to give them a, a little bit of a quote-unquote spotlight. Or at least say, hey, we appreciate them. Somebody saw it and somebody appreciated it. Now, Mike, tell the people, tell the people who uh, who who won that match. Uh, Ali. Ali won that yeah. match. So really, Ricochet. By, uh, by, by cheating. By heel right. tactics. Though. Yeah. So very, very good. Uh, Ricochet still cannot win. Uh, so, but yeah, no, but they're very good. Both very underutilized guys. Um, and, uh, it's a shame they couldn't even get enough time on main event, but I don't think the purpose was time. The purpose was to build towards another match that they could have. Um, hopefully it's giving something to them. I know not enough eyes are really on main event because why would they be? But, um, those guys are still working hard for, for, for y'all out here. And they're still really telling 
really compelling stuff and really uh, competitive athletic matches in ring, especially with now with the Mustafa Ali who's had to change his style up because of his knee is still so incredibly effective. I mean, they're both good. Mustafa is just so good. Um, so yeah, that's great. I think we should end on our matches of the week, Mike, um, real quick here. Sure. So what match of the week do you have? Yeah, sure. For, so for this week, I'm going to go with the match I did not go with last week. Again, a more recent match, and I promise. I know you were more of an old school fan. You want to get more shit old school, which I promise. Next week, I'm going super old school to make up for the recent match that I've been given left. But this week, I'm going to give a match. I think a match that happened last year that was really forgotten about, even though, as I mentioned, it was the two, um, probably the two greatest competitors in NXT history with Finn Balor and, and Johnny Gargano. I loved their match. Yeah. I thought it was very kind of, you know, uh, I had a, a great the John Woo drop kick off the table. Yeah. Um, that was, was the, the big spot, but it's more than that. It's obviously, again, this was kind of the emergence of the Finn Balor, um, more mean Finn Balor, the, the one that was, you know, characterized his championship run a few months later. The Prince. Where, again, he kind of just, you know, more strategic. Yeah. The Prince. That's right. Yeah. That's right. More strategic, more brutal, kind of less nonsense. Johnny Gargano, this was kind of one of his last matches as a baby face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought they tore the hardest down. And then the, the match was kind of just swept under the rug and never talked about it again. So was um, shame. I, I thought suggest that was... you go back and rewatch it. Yeah, I thought that was like the match of the night. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It kind of got swept away. Definitely, that's one of the better match. I mean, again, the Prince uh, uh, in, uh, in WWE, man, ain't, ain't much to say about that dude, except he's he's the man. And we had the NXT title. He's definitely the man. Definitely a match uh, that should be watched. For me, uh, my match of the week, I'm going to take you all the way back to 1992. WCW Starcade, the King of Cable Finals. It's going to be Big Van Vader versus Sting. Uh, this match is easily accessible on YouTube. It's a easily accessible on YouTube. It's a classic you've match. You've told me, you've told me many times about this match. I think this might be. Is this your favorite match ever? It's. I think honestly, it's my favorite match of theirs. Um, it. They've wrestled so many times, but this match. If you really want to see like a, a really a prime Sting working from behind against the biggest heel in wrestling at that point, one of the biggest heels ever, not just in terms of size, but just in terms of like who was, no one was stopping this guy. No one was stopping Vader. And they approached it from, it was like, it was like Rocky three in a way. It's like, how is Sting going to get past this dude? You know what I'm saying? Like, does he, does he have to beat him early or does he have to extend the match to maybe so that Vader can tire out? And they really built the match very well. Both guys came off like star. It was just good, athletic, hard-hitting stuff. And uh, one of Sting's better matches, easily one of Vader's, a very great match out of Vader. Uh, I don't know if it was one of his better matches because, you know, he's done a lot everywhere. So, yeah. Yeah, no, Vader, absolutely. The kind of I, different, but also very similar in a way to Walter right now. Yeah. Again, kind of just I'm trying to figure out who to look at them to. To people who maybe who maybe harder but don't realize how especially in WCW run how big of a deal he was. Yeah. Um just yeah, just they were just super dominant big guy who yeah. um yeah, which is which is the things that big men were not doing before, but also but not like a, oh wow, he's a high flyer. No, he's very much monster first. Monster who happens to do cool stuff as well. And he was and he was just beating guys. I mean, it, like much like a Volter, I'm gonna beat your your top, I'm gonna beat him. I'm just gonna beat him. 
They're going to give me everything they've got and I will win. And it's not going to be like, oh, there was a, no, okay, sure, whatever. Like, I'm a win. So I know that a couple weeks ago, I gave you guys the Great American Bash uh, Sting versus Vader. I'll probably go through like all their matches in some form or fashion that I think you should check out. But this time we're on WCW Starcade 1992 King of Cable Finals, Big Van Vader versus Sting for the King of Cable uh, um, Tournament Championship. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us. Um, this has been Mike Alloy and El Guapo of Comedy. I always wanted to say that and Professional Wrestling Podcast. Satoya, we will see you back and give me the book next week.